Good morning, and welcome to Conversations with Buddy. We record these podcasts at the Rec Podcast Recording Studio here in Kaiser, Oregon. We drop a new podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will impact someone. We hope that someone is you. Please take a moment to like, comment, and also share on your favorite social media platform. We want to get these messages out to the people and impact the world one testimony at a time. Today, I'm excited to have my friend and guest, Jerry Jones. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you, buddy. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you, man. It's awesome. I've been uh, checking out your podcast and looking at some of the folks you've had on. Yeah. And uh, some inspiring stories. And I think so far, the one that sticks out in my head, even though you haven't asked me this question, is the young man who really was, he's been challenged. He had thoughts of um, murdering someone. Um, sorry to start on such a song. No, no, love it. But it's reality. Yeah. So, um, and I don't remember his name, but I I do remember his story very clearly. It was it was. Uh, I mean, it set me back. I thought, wow, you know, you go through your day to day, and it's so you know we we're so lucky, buddy. Mm. <laughs> we're so lucky mm. um, that a, a young man like that who has come back has a family now. Um, and he's not no longer a statistic. Wow, I have yeah. I have huge respect for that. Yeah, much yeah. more than anybody on TV. You know what I'm saying? Totally. The yeah. celebrity culture we're in. Yeah, anyway. I think you're referring to Matt Masera. That's it. He Matt lived Macera. homeless for uh, more than a decade, and it's a very compelling story, man. Like, yeah, that's raw. It's yeah, it is interesting. That's why I love about these because you get to hear the the backstory of somebody's life and yeah. where they're at today. Like you see him today, you think he's just a normal dude. What you don't know is life before. So yeah, incredible story. Which is what we're going to hear about you today, Jerry. So before we begin, let me just tell who Jerry is real quick. So Jerry, you're a husband. Uh, what's your wife's name? Tracy. How long have you been married? Twenty. It'll be twenty five years in July. Which there's no possible way I've been married a quarter of a century. Wow. I just turned 51, so there's no way yeah, I've been yeah. married almost half my life. Birthday, December 31st? That was the date my daughter Maddie got engaged, but my birthday is January 8th. Wait, your birthday is January 8th? Yeah, Elvis, baby. Okay. By the way, Lisa Marie. I know, I saw that she passed today. away. Yeah, which is, I always think of Elvis, but, totally. you know, because of the birthday thing. The birthday thing. Birthday share. It's funny, my birthday, uh, August 29th, Michael Jackson, so there you go. Whoa, and they yeah. were married. Lisa Marie and Michael were married. Wait. Seriously, I did dude. not know yeah, that. Yeah, she's been married. She was married like five times. Although rough life that <laughs> that gal's had. I mean, I. Well, it's funny. It. It's funny. You and I have a lot in common. It is scary. Uh, <laughs> the conversations we've had. It's like, oh, brother. Because you have two daughters. Yep, you uh, have two daughters. You lived through 2008 a little bit. We'll talk about that maybe a yeah. little bit. You like real estate. Love been it. married for a long time. Yep, it's cool. It's your wife and my wife have put up with many of the same things. Mm-hmm. The challenges, you know, of two um, males who wanted to dominate the world <laughs> and come to find out we're just we're just normal humans <laughs> we're just dudes yeah we're just dudes yeah yeah okay so your your husband uh, father to two girls yes names are amazing Linnea Reese and Maddie Lynn Madison Jones Madison Lynn is Maddie younger or the older Maddie's the oldest okay and Linnea is the youngest Linnea is a junior at Salem Academy no kidding so we're we're winding down that time of high school, which yeah, is yeah. Um, challenging. Yeah, we'll I like to meet your younger daughter too, because when you bring her in the building, that'd be cool. She is she is amazing. Um, two super smart kids. Yeah. Um, she's like 
a 4.1 Whoa. on the weighted scale, I guess yeah, is what they yeah, call that. Yeah. Um, and she'd probably kill me if she heard this. Uh, she's number one in her class at SA. Wow. wow. And um, so that's super. I mean, it's, she's just super smart. And that's she didn't all. get that from you. She got that from your wife, I'm pretty sure, right? Um, there's no question. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know me well enough, No, buddy. I'm joking. No totally question. joking. Uh, but we can have fun with that. You are a business owner. You are an investor, mostly real estate. I don't know what else you invest in. Yep. Mostly real estate, some yeah. stocks. I okay. like dividend stocks, if you were to ask. Okay. I'm going to ask. Okay. You're a mentor. You've mentored me. You've been a coach. Those are kind of similar terms, but coaching, I think more is, you're probably going to do it as a business and make money. Mentoring is that you show up and you don't make money. Mentoring to me is active. Coaching is not as active. Oh. So uh, co like, uh, to me, coaching is an, is not the same type of verb. <laughs> I have a degree in lit and I don't know the difference between, uh, you know, adverbs and I don't remember any of that stuff. I've intentionally blocked it out, but um, totally. To me, coaching is a, it's a descriptive term versus mentoring, which is an active term to me. So knowing what you guys do here through Valor at the Rec, mentoring, that's the real deal. Coaching yeah. is like, hey, you know, uh, if you were to tell me, Jerry, here are my goals, you know, I'd say, well, buddy, what do you want to talk about your goals? And then you'd say, well, how do I achieve these? And I would say, well, how do you think you achieve them, buddy? It's like a psycho. I mean, it's it, when I was heavily involved in coaching, I was coaching anywhere from... 25 to 35 dentists wow. on business. And I did that for several years. The pay was insane. Um, the headache was so great that I did not care about the money. And we're talking significant pay to do this type of work. And um, I, I couldn't handle it. It was all, the numbers were always the same. You'd start with a group of 10. Everybody would show up for the first session, which back then we were doing telephone calls, right. group calls, and then it went to, you know, then we'd do individual. And this is early calls. 2000s, is that right? Yeah, this is like 05, okay. 04, which seems like yesterday, but really isn't. It's a long time ago. Um, and, and so these guys were paying thousands, tens of thousands of dollars a year. And it was phone calls. I mean, I didn't even go see these folks. I, it was telephones. I mean, this was before Zoom. You know, nobody knew what Zoom was. Um, that, uh, it, the numbers never changed. I guess that's where I was going. 10 would start. And by the end of the fourth month, and these were year-long contracts, at the end of the fourth month, you would be talking to only one of those 10 on a regular basis. The other nine are, they had an itch, they scratched it, and that's it. They were, they didn't, they just didn't care. They didn't show up. And in those numbers, buddy, I'd be willing to bet hold true in any business. There's out of 10, there's only going to be one high performer. And I think that number is even starting to change a little bit more. So maybe one out of 20. So there's a, there's a strange pyramid of success that apply that overlays to anything. And huh. it, it just doesn't change. So it's like the 80, 20 rule. There's probably and I'm, that's no longer reality. It's, it's not actually reality. 95 it's, five. It's 95 five. Yeah. So you take a hundred people, five five are successful. And out of those five, one is one is five hundred times more successful than the other four. Hmm. It's just, you know, I don't know if that's the actual number, but it's some crazy right. thing like that. Yeah. So 
That's interesting. Did we just go down a rabbit hole? We did, but that, okay. that's that's what we do. This is a conversation. <laughs> the last little bullet point is you're the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Right? Yeah, and, and I've had to, I've kind of had to pass that off now because it's just gotten too much. I mean, <laughs> traveling back and forth between DFW and PDX is just not what it's it used much. to be. Yeah, but you're you, you and you look different when I see Jerry Jones on TV. He looks different than you in person. So you, you age when you go to Dallas. Oh, is you that what that is? Yeah, it's it's about a thirty year. Well, I don't know. What is, how old is, how old am I down there? 75, 77, uh, 78, maybe pushing probably closer 80. to 80. Yeah. 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 So it's my dad's age so. almost. All right. It's a joke. So Jerry Jones here in Salem, Oregon <laughs> is not the same Jerry Jones with the Dallas Cowboys. Unless I'm down there and then I am because yeah. the seating, I get preference. Yeah, Jerry the seating preferences. I'm Jerry Jones Jr. Yes. I like it. All right. So we'll talk about coaching more, but where did you grow up at? What's, uh, what was life like for you early on? I grew up in a little town. Um, smack dab between Portland and Seattle, right on Interstate 5. Not on Interstate 5, but <laughs> alongside Interstate yeah. 5. Um, Centralia. It used to be called Centerville when that city was first, you know, created, if you will, back in the late 1800s. Um, small town deal. Um, it would be equivalent to growing up in Dallas, probably. Um we had a, a city right next to us called Chehalis, so Centralia Chehalis, Twin Cities. There were our rivals in sports, and you know, um, I, I think at the time I grew up in a typical household. Um, my dad worked, uh, blue collar guy, um, worked at the coal mine. Was uh, you know, kind of worked his way up over the years. Started out as a maintenance tech, basically, you know, going around fixing stuff, um, and then. Essentially, when he re when he was forced to retire through downsizing, uh, which is a horrible story, um, uh, which it impacted what I what I did later in life. Actually, um, uh, you know, he retired as a mechanic, a heavy equipment mechanic, which you know, great pay in those days, um, great pay, great hours. You know, he went from working uh, shift work, which meant that. Basically, he would work for, I think it was 10 days, day shifts. He would take a day off or two days off maybe. I think it was only a day. Um, might have been two days. And then he'd work another 10 days. And I may have these timing wrong, but it doesn't matter. It's the point is his his hours kept changing. And so he was for the – I remember when I was a little kid, his hours were so wonky. You didn't know if he was coming or going. Like, is dad working tonight? Does he go to work at 3 p.m. today or does he go to work at 7 a.m.? Uh, is he coming home at one in the morning or is he coming home at five? In the, you know, you just never knew. And as a kid, you know, you're not really tuned in. But um, I did that shift work in high after high school for a little bit. And I can tell you it's hell. Hmm. Um, your brain just you don't know. You don't know if you're coming or going. So imagine having two kids being responsible for the household and a wife and doing shift work and making. I have his pay stubs from those times. Actually, um, the pay was a pittance. It's. It's. I think it was it, in today's wages. It would be half of what minimum wages. Hmm. Um, wow. I, six and a half bucks an hour yeah. when he when he started that job in 1977 or 76. Hmm. Nothing. I mean, maybe it was five bucks an hour when he started. But I mean, I have his pay stubs from that time. So I have a lot of respect for um, for that work ethic, what it took to raise a family. So my mom was pretty much uh, what, what was then considered a housewife, mm -hmm. you know. Um, she took care of the boys, my brother and I, because I had one brother. And, um, I mean, it was, you know, we were lucky, very fortunate. My parents didn't drink. They didn't smoke. Um, they were not 
religious folks. My dad, you know, uh, I, <laughs> I, I tell people this a lot. And if he ever listens to this podcast, he'll <laughs> probably he get does. a charge out of it. Um, back in the day when Fletch, there was before the book or before the movie, there was the book Fletch. So if you read the book Fletch, which is never a great book, book, it, it's, book. it's better than the movie, of course. I love the movie too, man. I, I do too. There's a line in there where Fletch says as his character, I don't believe in a God that requires higher financing. <laughs> in other words, don't force me to tithe. Okay. okay. <laughs> so that was always my dad's line. He's like, look, you know, I've got my own thing going on in my head. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be told what to give to and when, yeah. and I don't want to be part of that, which yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's is you know, so they weren't particularly religious. My brother and I went to Sunday school when we were kids. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we had, we had friends and, you know, in the community that were part of the religious, you know, the church thing. Yeah. And in a small town, you know, you do, there's not much going on. There's sports and there's religion and there's mischief, right? Plenty of mischief to get in. Oh yeah. In that town. Um, so anyway, I, I, I'm very fortunate. We we took a vacation every summer. We would usually go for, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 14 days, and we would go camping. Hmm. We would take the boat and we might go to the San Juans. We might go to Vancouver, BC, hmm. might go to that island, you know, Vancouver Island, and then go somewhere off the coast and literally be out in the middle of nowhere with nobody and just a camp stove, mom, dad, the two, the two boys, you know, and awesome experience. Yeah. I mean, I, to this day, my brother and I still talk about that stuff. So, you know, hunting and fishing yeah. and just being kids and, uh, you know, just, yeah. I mean, I've got great stories from that time, but, um, I think, you know, if every boy could grow up in that kind of environment and was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect, hmm. but there is no such thing. Um, for me, you know, looking back, it was, I thought if I could duplicate that as a dad, as a father, in any way, you know, you, you look at the things you didn't like, right? And you want to change it. Mm -hmm. um, but then you also have things that you do that are stupid that your <laughs> kids are going to go, I'm not going to be like dad, you know, Guaranteed. and I've got mine, Guaranteed. you know. Um, but looking back, it was it was the bomb. You yeah. know, when I was growing up, it was like, oh, I can't wait to get out of Centralia, Washington, which I did leave like, you know. Shortly after high school, <laughs> I finished my project on my truck. I was out the door and off to college. You know, I couldn't wait to leave. But anyway, cool. that's, growing up was amazing. Yeah, I mean, sounds like a great it was up, a, It was a good upbringing. Yeah, sounds great. A couple things. Uh, is your brother older and, or younger? And then what sports did you play in high school? My brother is three and a half years older. Okay, so you're the younger guy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for, you know, school purposes, he was always four years ahead. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I'm a freshman. He's, He's a he had just graduated. Okay, got yeah. it. Which um, worked out fine. Um, we were close enough in age where, you know, there was some animosity. You know, we were bickering and fighting and, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I can remember one time my parents left probably to go out to dinner or something, which they didn't do often. I mean, there just wasn't money, yeah, you know, yeah. like today, you and I don't even think about going out to dinner. It's like, you want to go to dinner? Yeah. It's, Done. Like, it's not like, how much do we have in the checkbook? No. Literally the checkbook. How checkbook? much? I don't know. Oh, you know what a checkbook I don't even, yeah. I don't even know what that means. How much is in the check? That, you know, we would never have to, I've never asked that question now. Um, but you know, that was legit back yeah. then. So, uh, um, that just goes to show you how spoiled we are today. Yeah. Literally spoiled rotten. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he, stories, my brother. So, yeah. so mom and dad would leave, <laughs> you and your brother would duke yeah, it we, out? Maybe? you know, we would duke it out. I remember one night, um, you know, he was, we were doing something and I got mad. 
And I went and got a kitchen knife and I was, you know, I was chasing him around the house with a kitchen knife. I was going to, you know, I was going to kill him. That's safe. Um, very safe. Um, but, you know, when you're, I don't remember how old I was. I was probably 10. He was, you know, 14. There's, there's a massive physical difference, you know, size difference, yeah, strength. Yeah, yeah. So like he could pin me down with one arm and I'm not getting up because he's a, he's big like. But you're you know, not afraid like at this me. point in time. I can tell you're well, like. Well, you know, I, I was afraid of him, okay. but, um, but I wouldn't, but I wasn't so afraid that I wouldn't defend myself. Got Let's it. put it that way. Okay. You know, and when mom gets home, when dad gets home, you're going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, and I, I'm going to send him the link to this and he'll laugh. Yeah. I don't know if he'll remember that or not, but. Um, yeah, we were. It, it, it's probably funny that what things you remember versus what he remembers. Yeah, he may I'd, or love may to, not remember. I'd love to tell those. You know, I'd love to see. Just yeah, you know, hey, do yeah. you remember this time when? Yeah. yeah. But today we have um, we have a good relationship. Um, we do a lot of stuff together when when we have time. Um, he's an outdoors guy. Does he live locally? Uh, he, you know, he lived for 25 years. He lived in Juneau, Alaska. Okay. And so it was a great excuse to go to Alaska. So I've been to Alaska more times than I can count. Um, and uh, loved it. I love it up there. It's yeah. a different world. Yeah. It's a different lifestyle. He moved to Wenatchee, so he's a lot closer now. He's a six-hour drive instead of a you know six-hour day on a plane. Yeah, yeah. Or in, in an airports. So, yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, Sports-wise, what did you play in high school? You know, um, the last year I played really any organized sports. I think was my freshman year in high school, um, and I think basketball was pretty much my last sport. I was not a very coachable youth. Um, I knew it all and I hated coaches, hmm. the coaches and I just butted heads and it kind of, you know, I've got stories, I'm, I have vivid stories from age 12. I could tell you state championships, little league, you know, m my team won the, you know, won the league. So our coaches were coaching the state, the team that was going to go to state. Yeah. So they assemble all the, you know, take the best players from the team. Well, you know, it was my, my team. We right. won the, you know, so you'd think I'd be the catcher, not a chance. They picked another guy, Tony, which he's dead now, by the way, which is kind of strange. Yeah. Um, drugs, alcohol, um, heroin, meth, whatever else he could stick in his arm, but, uh, or smoke. Um, but anyway, that aside, um, I, Tony and I ended up being really good friends in high school. Mm. Um, but when I was 12, he was my nemesis. He was your yeah, nemesis. He took my job. Enemy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there, there was a silver lining to all that, which we don't have to get into today, but I still I, remember those stories. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's good. I haven't well, talked about them in a long time. Usually, I don't know. I can't remember a lot of stories, but any painful story I remember. Yes. And so probably that's what part of your drive is like. You know, when you have to work hard, like my sister was way smarter than me in high school. She gets straight A's. I'd get C's or D's or whatever. I had to work for those. My <laughs> sister came easy. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't change that because it forced me to work harder and get used to working hard. Sometimes when things come easy for people, they don't actually do well in life because life doesn't deliver easy. Um, life is not, you know, it's not, it is not designed, nor should it be. Um, nothing, nothing really of any consequence should come easy. Yeah. There's no appreciation for it. And I, yeah. you and I both have learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. We definitely scars. Come from, yeah. I've got mental wounds, and man. physical. Yeah. 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 And I, I teach my girls, I love pain because it's a great teacher. Success. Growth. Success is never, well, I shouldn't say never, is almost always never uh, a good teacher. So. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you get out of high school. Uh, did you go to college anywhere? Yes, I went to Pacific University. Okay. My goal was to become an optometrist, which is why I chose Pacific. Okay. That lasted probably all of one year. Sweet. Um, you know, first semester, um, 
straight D pluses. Yeah. Uh, except for, I think I had a B plus in poli sci 101 and, um, which that kind of changed the course. I'm like, well, that was easy. This science crap is not, mm -hmm. I'm not made up. So, I mean, really that I, I redeemed myself the second semester because you go on academic probation and I was getting a ton of scholarships and it, back then it was, I don't know, 18 grand, 19 grand a year to go there. So it's probably 60 grand now. Oh, I don't yeah. even know what Pacific, it, it's comparable. It, you know, it's, it's a Willamette. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, some of those other private, private schools. Private, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Forest Grove, it was a two and a half hour drive from home, far enough to get away from mom and dad, close enough to go home on the Fridays if I wanted to. So, you know, it worked out great. But, um, yeah, political science was, it kind of turned out that's where I went. Uh, that's where, that was the direction I headed. Got through three years. My fourth year I spent in Washington, D.C., still paid tuition, but I got credits. Wow. And I was an intern the first semester for a U.S. senator, and then I uh, spent the last semester um, in a different program that I made up for the school <laughs> so I could get credits and um, graduated that, you know, like the next December or whatever. Wow. So, um, yeah, spent almost two years in D.C., uh, maybe yeah, two. It was it was actually two full years. Was that fun for you? Live in DC. That was at the time a blast. Um, I had to leave because that is not an environment that's conducive to health. Really? Why? Physical or mental? Um, I still have backstabbing wounds. Number one. Um, and I always tell everybody, whatever you hear about politicians and the people that work for them, it's true. So whatever gossip is on TV, whatever bad things that they're doing back there, it's all true. It's all true. It's all true. Mm -hmm. And it's, here's the thing though, it's sanitized. It's actually worse than what you hear. Hmm. Um, and stories, buddy. I mean, I could tell stories that would, your eyes would roll back in your head and be like, what in the, are you kidding me? Hmm. Um, everything from Travelgate and anybody that remembers that. Clinton era Travelgate, um, stories of people that were involved with that that turned up dead, to um, wild rides with a drunk uh, Washington, D.C. police officer through the streets at three in the morning hmm. in his car as a passenger, not in the back seat. That's interesting. <laughs> not in the back seat, handcuffed. We ended up in Baltimore for crying out loud. I mean, just the, the stories and the stupid things that, um, and I don't know if, you know, we should talk about these things. Absolutely. We talk about whatever is conversation. It's just, it's just, this is the stories that make up who I am today, yeah. I guess, but yeah. just the insanity back there. Um, martini lunches yeah. or tequila shot lunches, Sweet. going back to work. I remember um, on my way to lunch one day coming out of, I worked in the Hart Senate building, um, had a group of friends back there, most of whom were from either from Oregon, even though I was, a, I worked for a Washington Senator, you kind of hung out with the, you know, the Northwest delegation, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So all my friends were, you know, either worked for Oregon senators or Alaska senators. Hmm. And uh, in particular, Ted Stevens, he was a senator from Alaska who, um, interesting stories there, uh, all true, most likely. Um, and then uh, there's Packwood and, you know, um, and then our, uh, and Mark Hatfield, Mo. Yeah. So at the time, Packwood and Hatfield were, and, you know, they were the senators for Oregon. And then Slade Gorton uh, was the senator that I worked for from Washington, a Republican. So, and that was back when Oregon had two Republican senators, which will probably never happen again in our lifetime. Probably not. Um, just a bizarre, the things that that go on, you know, in the U.S. Capitol and the Senate buildings. But anyway, I was leaving lunch one day with this group. And Hart Senate building, I think it's on the, it would, I think it would be on the north side of the building, has 
a long stair stairway stairs. I mean, just out exterior stairs. And this is marble, marble or limestone or something. I don't know what they are. Anyway, I took one step and rolled my ankle at the top. And mm -hmm. I literally did somersaults down the stairs. And there's probably 35, 45. I don't remember how many stairs. There's a number of stairs. This is a long time ago, so I don't remember the number of stairs. I end up at a heap in the bottom, at the bottom of the stairs. You know, and I'm like in pain because, you know, I've just rolled my ankle and it sounded like it broke. <laughs> Fortunately, it didn't. But as I kind of shake my head and I come to and I look up and here's Bob Dole standing oh, over no way. me. <laughs> Senator Dole, he goes, son, are you okay? <laughs> I just looked up at him and I said... Senator, I think I'm going to make it. You know, what else are you going to say? I mean, here's, you know, here's a World War II war hero, wow. you know, um, but it's weird. I have stories about riding in the Senate. Um, they had these little subway cars that would run the senators over to the Capitol and, you know, Teddy Kennedy and, you know, having one-on-one -on -one conversations with these folks. And uh, John McCain, I did not like him. Interesting. Why? I drove him around one night. Um, he's just a mean guy. He's um, pretty rough. Did not, you know... Anyway, yeah. So huh. it didn't hurt my feelings when he wasn't successful in his yep. presidential yep. bid. But yep. um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a weird, wild ride. And two years was about enough. I was ready to move here, on. Plenty move of back here. Got it. Got it. So, uh, what age are you when you get married? How, how do you? How, well, first of all, how do you and your wife meet when you get married, and then kids come along at some point in time? Yeah. Um, I met my wife at a birthday party for um at the at the time was no longer uh i would you know, i don't know if i'd call her a girlfriend even just someone i knew um i hung out with this this gal that i was hanging out with um met her at a birthday party and they work together and um there's you know it's just something you know it's just it was like instant yeah i was like i like that gal she is funny she's smart she was witty and it was just like, you know, light bulbs. Yeah. Stars, you know. Um, and uh, and I had met her, or actually, I think a couple months prior to that, uh, we were at Jack Scott's house um, for a big party. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there as a vendor because I'd done some work for First Pacific Corporation. That was Jack's company. And I was there as, you know, a guest or whatever. And it was summertime. It was beautiful out. You know, and, and um, this was back when not everybody had a cell phone, but she did. And I needed to call my roommate to let him know what, I, you know, where I was going next or whatever. And I asked her, hey, can I borrow your phone? And this is back when, you know, phone. I was going to say. It, it was a Motorola flip. Yeah. It was one of the new Motorola oh, okay. flips, right? But it was still like $2 a minute. So you kept the phone call short, <laughs> you know, Got so it. it's like, hey, can I borrow your phone? You know, and that was the first time I'd met her. I'm like, oh, you know, strawberry blonde, gorgeous, you know, tall, just you know, again, mm. I was like, she's, she's pretty. I hope I run into her again. Sure enough, you know. So after that, after I met her, really got to talk with her and, you know, joke with her and stuff, we were inseparable from that point on. Like I, I, there wasn't a day that went by where I didn't see her mm. and it's been that way since. And that was, um, you know, I think, I don't remember when the, what the dates were even, but we have, we were married in July you know, July 25th, <laughs> but this year will be 25 years. I don't remember when, what day we met years. specifically, but that's so cool. Um, just, I mean, yeah, it's been a rocket ship ride with that gal. Yeah, She's amazing. Yeah. Um, Salem girl, you know, born in Portland, lived in Bend as a kid and, you know, grew up in Salem yeah. and, um, just, um, yeah, just, what do you say? So you guys 
get married, have ki- how long does it take before you guys start having kids? Oh, we had um, Maddie came along pretty quick. Yeah, um, not long, and um, uh, that was again. You know, all of a sudden, I'm a dad. That same year that we got married, I got married, bought a business, bought our first house, and had a kid all in one year. Okay. And I remember talking to my mom and dad saying, if this is how life is, holy cow, like what, you know, and, and that's my expectation of life mm-hmm. is all this happens at once. And yeah, it was just wild. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and then six years later, you know, my wife and I were chatting and she's like, you know, I think I want to have another one more. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. So, I mean, not long thereafter. Along comes the youngest. Yeah. So seven years apart, which has worked out amazing. Yeah. They are like best buddies. You know, That's they go work out together. And mm. um, yeah, so it's it's cool. It's cool seeing your two girls yeah. bond. And I mean, you know what that's like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it has a lot to do with how you and your wife treat each other, that they respect that. And you have yeah. a great family. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. And Maddie's got engaged recently. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's public. Uh, it's public knowledge. It is, yeah. If it's on Facebook, it's probably it's, public it's knowledge. Public, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Congrats, Maddie. Um, well, hey, let's let's transition to some fun stuff too. As far as uh, investing, uh, you are a commercial broker, mostly in commercial real estate. Not you don't dabble much in residential. No, I'm not. You know, I I I love residential too, but it's not my world. It's yeah. it's a different it's a different game. I yeah. love commercial real estate. I always have. Yeah. Yep. So when you think of commercial real estate, you're a broker. What do you love to broker? What do you uh, What would you say to a new investor, or uh, maybe not a new investor, but somebody who has commercial investments? What should they invest in commercially? Um. You know, Salem is an interesting area. It's a, you know, obviously capital city. So it's it's different to invest in Salem than Portland, than Seattle, than Roseburg, even Eugene. The city, you know, Portland, Salem, Eugene, all these cities, the, the bigger, the three big ones and Bend. The levels, uh, the the value of real estate's always, always been high on commercial in commercial real estates mm-hmm. and by high i mean comparatively uh, i can go to houston texas or dallas and i can buy same a similarly situated building for far less hmm. um it's it's just it's it's always been that way the northwest you know real estate has always been just it's just been higher and you know yes you have downturns and you know everybody's prices drop at that point but Overall, values just seem high. So I think if you're expecting to go into commercial real estate in this part of the country and find a bargain, you might get lucky. But most likely you're going to, you know, you're not going to get lucky, quote mm-hmm. unquote, when you buy. Um, but it's, you know, it, it doesn't mean you shouldn't invest because price is only part of the game. Right. It's only, I mean, you know this, buddy. Um, you get numbers. So you're in the mortgage business. So the, you know, it's all about the numbers. It isn't about what the price you pay. It's about what can you do with the property? What's your exit strategy look like? Why are you buying it? Why are you holding it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it an interest only payment? Is it is it principal and interest? And for how long? And I mean, there's all these factors that go yeah. into play. So when it comes to price, I mean, you know, you're gonna you're gonna pay probably a little bit more here in the Northwest than you would elsewhere. But that's not that's not the only only part of the game. Yeah. Um, I love office. Even though the world we live in now is very bearish on office, I'm not. 
you shouldn't be in Salem, bearish on office. Um, there's not a lot of office vacancies. If you have a good quality building and, and it's an office building, it's probably going to be full. Yeah. Um, in fact, we have one building that has vacancies right now. And even that building won't stay vacant long, even though it's in the downtown core. Mm-hmm. Um, predominantly because it's a nice, it's a gorgeous building, uh, great parking. Um, and, you know, there are people that love being downtown in spite of the homeless issues, in yeah. spite of, you know, whatever else is happening downtown that might not make somebody like me happy. Yeah. Um, I'm not a downtown um, occupant. I've had offices in downtown. I used to have an office above Great Harvest Bread, and I loved it. Okay. I mean, I love the How chemistry of downtown yeah. and, you know, and the smell of bread every day mm. and, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think I, I love office. I love industrial. Industrial is not going away. Industrial is a strong segment. Uh, it can be very lucrative. Um, industrial is hard to find. There's just not a lot in the market. I just sold a property in West Salem. It was a sale leaseback. So the current owner wanted to sell it, but then they wanted to lease it back. Oh, okay. So this yeah. allows an owner to, to basically get equity in the property out. So it's like refinancing, Yep. Um, but not, right? Totally, um, yeah. So great structure for them. I mean, they ended up um, signing a long-term lease for the property with an option to repurchase in the future. So no kidding. That's cool. Yeah. So it worked out wonderfully well for them. And um, it felt good to be able to put that deal together, find, you know, find the, right. find the buyer and, you know, do all that work. And I just enjoyed the daylights out of that. Yeah. Uh, so I love industrial. Okay. Um, over the years, I've done a lot of raw land, just bare land investing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, if you have the holding power, you know, to buy a piece of property and sit on it long-term, uh, you know, buying anything along an interstate yeah. Long-term is probably going to be a good play. Yeah. I mean, typically. Yeah. Um, there's always exceptions to everything. But um, so I love raw land. Yeah. Uh, retail is uh, is also a great play. Um, I have clients that are building retail right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're typically not a problem to fill retail. There's always a need for, you know, good retail space. So I think retail is a great investment. Okay. Typically, they'll sell at, you know, maybe a little bit higher cap rate, depending on who the, the tenants are. Um, and cap rate. By the way, just for our listeners is, you know, it's a function of the income. Um, It's, you know, it's essentially what one might expect for a return on their investment. So if a cap rate is 8% and you invest a million dollars, you should, you know, potentially expect to get an $80,000 return on an annual basis, 8% of a million. So is that like a number you would shoot for? Because if cap rate was maybe four or 5%, maybe I don't want to make four or 5% of my money. Maybe I'd do something different. You know, cap rate's all relative um, because cap rate tells a story today. It doesn't tell the story two, three, four, five, ten years from now, right? So as leases adjust, that cap rate may very well increase. Um, It may may, and it may decrease. As a buyer, you want you know you typically and and again these are general generalities. As a buyer, you want the higher cap rates. As a seller, you want a lower cap rate, right? So when you sell, you want to sell at a low cap rate to maximize your revenue you know, to maximize the value of the property. And as a buyer, you want to buy at a higher cap rate. So you have, so there's room in the property for, you know, equity and, and higher earnings potential. Yeah. But the numbers tell the story. And until you dig into the underlying leases on an investment property, if you're buying an investment property and it has leases, so yeah. there's tenants in place, that's where you're going to find, you know, what the value looks like in year two, three, four, and so on. Because maybe there's a, you know, lease adjustment on a yearly basis and those leases go up four or five or maybe 10%. Yeah. We had some leases adjust this year because the CPI numbers are so high, inflation, yeah. right? Because inflation has been so high, we had some leases go up 11%. That's just nuts. Which typically four is high. 
most leases might adjust at three. Yeah. We try to mark ours at four if we're if we're drafting a lease. You know, not drafting if we because we're not attorneys. Yeah. Um, but if we're involved in a lease negotiation for mm-hmm. for and we're representing the the landlord, we like to see a minimum. You know, we like to see fours, four yeah. percent, yeah. um, or CPI, whichever is greater. Then they get the upside. Question for you. So, and I didn't hear you talk about apartments, but cap rates. If a seller is going to sell a property, it doesn't make sense to me that you'd want a lower cap rate because a higher cap rate would say there's more cash flow that it would drive the price up. What am I missing? So on when you sell the, the cap rate, so the cap rate essentially, like if I sell a building, I'm trying to think of some simple math. If I sell a building and, the, and don't check these numbers, but here's an <laughs> example. If I sell a building at a 4% cap rate, um, that means the buyer can expect a four percent return on the on the purchase price, so to speak, yep. right? Yep. So forty. Let's say it's a million dollar building, four percent cap rate, forty thousand bucks, right? Yep. So um, that pushes the price, the sales price, higher, right? So okay. If you do so, cap rate is basically the net operating income. It's a function of the net operating income mm-hmm. and purchase price. Yeah. So if you want to, you know, if I go to, if I, if you have a building for sale, let's say, and you're, you're offering it an 8% cap rate, um, if you offered it at a lower cap rate, you'd be selling it at a higher price. That totally makes sense now. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's the opposite of what you think Well, it would I'm be. in the mortgage industry, but I only work on residential. Sure. We, we look at things completely different than, yeah. so speaking commercial language is, it's still. It's, it's a little different. It's but, foreign to me. I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done a commercial home, but it's been 15 years ago since I've done that, but. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, in apartments, I didn't, you're right. I didn't talk about multifamily. Um, there's multifamily is a different deal because you're now dealing with residential tenants versus commercial tenants. The laws are different. Mm. What you can do with your commercial property is different than what you can do with a residential things. You can charge residential tenants versus commercial tenants are different. And there's just a ton of protections for residential occupants versus commercial commercial there's really none it's caveat emptor you know in in the commercial world it's business it's considered business transactions versus residential and consumer transactions so your example would be like during covid if i'm a tenant in your apartment complex i decide not to pay my rent (laughs) there's uh, nothing i can do there's nothing you can do so that all of a sudden that's interesting. So yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Now they did put a moratorium. Uh, a li- uh, they, there were some restrictions on commercial tenants as well. Okay. But they were nowhere near what they were for residential. Got it. Um, but in general, you know, multifamily right now, those are those buildings are trading at very low cap rates, very high values. Oh, in other yeah. words, Got and it. the the prices are just astronomical. Now I predicted because I have a crystal ball that's one hundred percent accurate. Sweet. Um, I predicted that multifamily would certainly taper off. The values would taper off and they'd start dropping and they are. Yeah. Rents are coming down. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a national trend and it, and Oregon is always first to be hit and last to recover. The, you know, that's just kind of a rule when it comes to the economy. And I think also too, you know, that'll probably take place with, you know, with rents on multifamily. So if, you know, I've got a client that has a project that's going to be coming online pretty soon, multifamily, um, he's probably going to be hitting the downturn yeah, because it's coming. And by the time he's ready to start putting tenants in place and we start leasing that up, he's going to, you know, 
rents will have dropped, maybe have dropped some versus yeah. continuing to increase at some wild five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent in the in this rent control deal we've got right now. Yeah. This wonky deal that our legislature passed two years ago or whatever it was that caps the rate. <laughs> yeah. Big mistake. Massive mistake. Because now you've got landlords who would have never dreamed of raising rent 14% are raising at 14% because they can. Because they the can. The law said they can. Yeah. So now it's, it's actually 14.8, I think. But Four. That's just nuts. Um, that's a whole nother, yeah. So residential is different. Uh, res, uh, multifamily is different. Multif yeah. um, but certainly a very, very lucrative space to play in. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, we love listing them and selling them. Yeah. I'm just not a multifamily owner personally right, right now. And that may change. Yeah, I get it though. That totally makes sense. And Commercial lending is definitely more lucrative, uh, has less rules, uh, has more common sense, you know? Yeah. Either there's profit or there's not. Yeah. There's, there's no cash, emotion. There's cash flow and there's no emotion. Yep. Buying a, a home that you're going to live in or a multifamily home is different for yeah. sure. Agreed. So, yep. yep. Dude, this is awesome, man. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, Jerry. We can't be almost done. Oh, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. We we probably could talk, and you and I have coffee a lot, so we could probably talk for hours on stuff like this because no I question. love investing. What else do you invest in? Because uh, you mentioned, you know, I'm not a I'm not a stock picker per se. I love um, my my mind has been changed, and I, I'm not one of these folks who has all the answers, and I never will. It's a you know, life's a, a learning journey uh, among other things, but um, over. Probably the last two years, one of my coaches, um, because I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in having a coach or a mentor. I like, you know, for me at the stage I'm at, a coach is good because um, this guy is mega successful. You know, he charges eight nine thousand dollars a month for coaching. Disclaimer: I don't pay anywhere near that. Um, I we we trade we trade if you will. Um, I love that. That's awesome. But he is ultra successful. Uh, he's a retired physician, um, lives in Utah part of the year. Lives, he has two different houses in Florida that are beachfront mansions. You know, I mean, he plays golf with the who's who of the CEO business world. Yeah. Like, you know, um, he's very well connected in, in the Florida, uh, in the Florida businesses. Okay. And, um, uh, anyway, he he's changed my mind about stocks and, and investing. And he said, basically, he said to me one day, he goes, do you really think you're smarter than, and then he, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Do you think you're smarter than the guy that's running BlackRock? Do you think you're smarter than Warren Buffett and the team that he has put together? Do you think, you know, it, it, it's like, okay, I get it. I'm not. Um, and so, you know, this is a guy also that studied the markets. Um, he owned a company. He bought a, a small um, advisory, financial advisory firm, mm -hmm. grew it massively, and then sold it for an ungodly amount of money. I mean, this mm -hmm. is what he does. He's, yeah, yeah. he's just, you know. Um, and when I say ungodly, I mean, we're in the, you know, multiple tens of millions. Totally. Um, and it was just a, something for him to do, by the way. Yeah. It wasn't like a full-time job. Right. Um, side gig. Side gig, yeah. And why he chooses to talk with me, I still don't understand. But He likes you for some reason. He, he lives vicariously yeah. through a younger guy. You're probably a younger version of who he was. Uh, could be. Uh, I'd be cool. honored if that were the case. I um, it probably is. So at any rate, you know, we kind of, he kind of took me through this, you know, thought process. And now I don't throw 
a ton of dough into the stock into stocks. I just don't. Um, I've got some favorites. One of them's a local company um, uh, out of Grants Pass. Hmm. I don't. I probably don't need to go too much further than that. Um, and that one I like for a lot of reasons, but um, it's not a dividend stock. Okay. But I, I like dividend stocks because you're paid to own the stock. Yeah. If the stock goes up in value, great. But in the meantime, you're you're getting profits from the yeah. you know the, yeah. the company is distributing their profits in the form of a dividend. Hmm. And I just have that dividend go back to buying more shares. So yeah. you know the number of shares I have on an annual basis. If I don't invest more in purchasing more shares, the dividend buys more shares totally. for me. So yeah. I like that and. Um, it's kind of no brainer stuff. And so, um, you know, I've got some REITs stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not a stock picker per se, but right. there's one called, uh, it's NNN, which okay. is uh, retail net lease property, I think is the name of the company, but it's, you know, NNN's triple net. That's what that means in okay. real estate lingo. Triple net. So it's kind of a play on triple nets. Yeah. Um, I like that one. Um, one I'm buying, uh, I have an order in now for Medtronics, which, I have a pacemaker. It's a Medtronic pacemaker. It keeps me alive. Yeah. Um, keeps my heart ticking. You better, you better invest in that company. I inv- you know, that company, it's a, it's, I did some research. It's massive. Nine, I think 54,000 employees. You know, they got a lot of, on the line. And Medtronic, so they're making devices yeah. that keep people. So yeah. I like that stock. Yeah. Yeah. And I figured, yeah. you know, if I can't invest money in something that's in my, <laughs> you know, keeping me alive, I don't know what, right. should I, what I should invest in. Um Tesla's at a, you know it's coming down to a low. Mm-hmm. It was at four hundred some. Now it's like low hundreds. Yeah. So I've got an order in for some Tesla stock, oh. and we've got a Tesla store opening up. Um, you know that's uh, true. That's true. And I love what Elon's done with Twitter. Yeah. Say what you want about the guy. Yep. Open the platform up and let people speak. Yeah. Get Freely. rid of this controlling garbage. Yeah. You know, and and with that you have to be willing to take the speech you don't like. I don't, I don't like what some people say, right, right. but they've got a right to say it just as much as I've got a right to say what I have, what I'm saying. Yeah. So anyway, I'm a big free speech advocate. Um, less government is more Amen. <laughs> for me, <Preach> it. <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, that's, you know, stock wise, I, I, I like dividend stocks and you know, yeah. he's right. He was right. My mentor is right. Our coach, I can't do a better job than what some of those Look, big, Warren Buffett has been doing. buying Coca-Cola for what a billion years and, I don't think he's ever sold anything. He just keeps on. Just keeps buying. Keeps buying. You know, there's a valuable lesson right there, buddy. Never sell anything when it comes to assets. Never sell anything that's ass. There's a difference between an asset and a liability, right? I mean, yeah. you and I both yeah. are acutely aware of that. But, um, you know, don't sell real estate once you buy it. Mm-hmm. Don't sell stock once you buy it. I mean, just hang on to it. I think if there's a lesson right there, that's the lesson is the wealthy keep their assets. And somebody who's 70 or 80 years old and they're worth millions of dollars is they bought something, you know, 40, 50 years ago and it, it's equity has grown over time. Yeah. What platform do you trade on when you buy a stock? Um, it used to be E-Trade. Okay. Um, and I still have some, something going there, yeah. you know? Um, but I like, I like Robinhood just because it's brain dead simple. You know, okay. So I had money in Robinhood. This is January of 2021. And, uh, what's the, what was the stock where they, the the Reddit guys were driving. They were trying to the the venture capitalists or the uh, hedge fund guys were buy to put because they thought the stock was going to go down. The Reddit guys were yeah uh, mm-hmm. buying it. So mm-hmm. what was that stock? I don't remember what it was, but I remember the story. So yeah. the the bottom line is this: is I all of a sudden I still have my Robinhood account, but I thought you know what I don't like the control because now they're not letting me 
all of a sudden they shut off the idea that I could go buy that yeah. stock. Yeah, that's that's the sad thing is um, that exists with any platform, and it okay. doesn't matter. I mean, if you and if you look at it from, uh, well, I, I don't know what their perspective would be, but anything that you think you have control over, you don't. And the sooner you cede to that idea, the better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that goes with everything yeah, in life, yeah, right? Yeah, we yeah. we have to become masters at reacting to our to the circumstances yeah. we find ourselves. Number one, control everything you can. Yeah. Um, in business and your personal life, control it. But if you are if you're out of control or you have no control, you have to become a master at reacting. Yeah. Yeah. And hardest lesson I ever learned from yeah. my wife. Um, and in this because I said it to her and it came back to me and it was like, oh god. Um, <laughs> I should have never said that, but I'm glad I did. And I'm glad she said it back to me. And it was, um, we were having a, you know, a disagreement about something. And I said, well, I, you know, I can't control how you react to it. Only you can. Mm. So I'm not owning your reaction. Oh, you know, cause I had heard some smart Alec person say that, you know, and I thought, well, that makes sense. Well, that hurt her feelings tremendously because that kind of showed I wasn't being a, a good partner yeah. and not understanding. So it came back, that same comment came back at a different time to me. And I was like, okay, I get it. But the, but the reality is this, it taught me that you have to learn to control that reaction mm. and that buddy cannot be responsible for Jerry's reaction to the high price of eggs, whatever that might be. So, you know, if you do something that I don't like, how I react to it, I have 100% control of. Yeah. I can either go, Hmm. Okay. I see how it is. Yeah. Or I can go, I can freak out. I can throw yeah. a fit, stomp yeah. my feet, you know, whatever. I think the, I think the, the reaction of, okay, what does this really mean? Cause another thing, nothing is ever as good or as bad as it first appears. Interesting. Yeah. Because that, and that will keep you sane. Anytime there's bad news on TV. It's not as bad. It's really not that bad. Anytime there's good news, it's never really that good. Just keep things in perspective. Right. Yeah. Anyway. That's interesting. Well, it's Words funny. to live by. <laughs> Words to live by. That's great. It's, it's kind of like I, I say living by emotion, like in the mortgage industry, at least for me, is there's a flat line where I try to stay really close to where I just try to stay even kill. And our clients go high when things are going great and they go really low when things go bad. My job is to stay in the middle and bring it back to the middle. And I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just saying, Yeah. That's a, that's a commercial transaction right there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly like a commercial transaction. This, you know, if you're representing the buyer and the seller does X, your job is to relay that news to the to your client, but do so in a way that keeps everything in perspective and keeps them on track. Yeah. We always say, you know, focus on the game, end game, not this play. Focus on the end game. Hmm. Are we ahead? Are we losing? Yeah. What you know? Let's keep our eyes on the prize. Perspective, that's a really big word. And if we could live by that a little bit more, that would be really awesome. So Agreed. Okay, we're going to wrap up with this, this last question, Jerry. What is the number one lesson? I mean, I learned a lot of lessons right here, so maybe you don't have one. But is there one lesson that you want to share that that we, we definitely need to get in your life that you've discovered? Aside from that, those last couple of points, which I think it took a long time to get there, but I think they're they're really valuable. I think one that is maybe overarching, overriding, and if I if I were sitting here talking to my kids, um, I would want them to hear it, and and it would s simply be that never let anybody, and I mean anybody, 
tell you what your self-worth is. Hmm. Um, never let anybody set your goals for you and never let anybody tell you you can't do anything. Um, I had parents that were always telling me, you can do whatever you want. I remember being a little kid and standing out on our back patio, um, hot summer day, and talking about a, um, a local, <laughs> um, this PUD was gonna install a dam on the Cowlitz River. And I was passionate that, you know, I didn't want the fish runs interrupted because we love fishing. Mm -hmm. um, probably eight, nine years later when that dam was being built, I was working on it. <laughs> Talk about crazy. Um, but I guess that that simply means to me, my parents were saying, hey, you can do whatever you want. If you want to write a letter to that commission or that committee and tell them your perspective as a 12-year-old, what, what that means to you, do it. They always encouraged me to follow my dreams. And they always said, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. So you go back to Napoleon Hill, which is probably one of my most favorite success writers. 16 Laws of Success is a book that most people have never heard of, but that he wrote. Most people have heard of Think and Grow Rich, but the better book is actually 16 Laws of Success or Laws of Success and 16 Lessons. And one of those lessons is that it's, you know, you, you are in charge of what you can accomplish and don't let anybody tell you different. If you want to be an author, go write a book, publish it at Amazon. You're now an author. I never thought I could be a best-selling author, which is a topic we didn't get into. I had a best-selling book on Amazon. Um, who cares? No big deal. But, I mean, you don't need permission to become the best or number one at something. You mm -hmm. just need to go do it. And you have my permission to be the best at whatever it is you want to take on. Dude, that's a mic drop right there. And that's one thing I didn't add. You are, you've written 13 books, I think. I don't, you know, I was going to, I was just curious the other day because I'm working on another one right now. I don't remember where the number is. Yeah. It's not that many. It's it's probably close to that many, but I don't. You know, I just don't know, buddy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy writing books and just sharing stuff that I learn over time. Love so. that. I'm gonna end with this note here. It was funny. I was meeting with Tim Davis out here. You just met him this morning, and Sven Anderson. Uh, we meet monthly, and uh, we've all read, you know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Tim says this morning. I've never heard this before in my life. You got to read The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. I'm like, I've never heard of it. He goes, I know. He Are goes, you kidding I me? I swear to God. True story. This That's, morning. I'm, I've getting, been with, I've been I'm, with, I'm getting the tinglies right now. I've met with Tim for uh, more than probably 15 years. And this morning, of all things, that was the book. And I bring that up? And you bring it up. So, Well, I'll tell you, it, it's... It's it's a must read because I, because you just you just get a you get a different you get a 1920s perspective yeah, yeah. and it's just as valid today as it was in 1920. Wow. So, well, hey Jerry, we got to wrap up, man. This has been great. Uh, you know, I'll be doing lots of more uh, meetings and coaching because I like hanging out with you and I learn stuff from you're you. going to be on my radio show, buddy. Dude, Saturday okay. mornings, 9:30 a.m. on KYKN. You are going to be on my radio show. What is the name of your radio show? It's called Triple Seven Saturdays. And like I said, it's every more every Saturday morning at nine thirty on fourteen thirty KYKN. Boom! And um, we talk about commercial real estate. This is gonna be fantastic. I can't wait to listen to it because I haven't listened to it yet. I think you've had what one one live. Just had show? our first show last Saturday. Okay. So yeah. Okay, but yeah. you have four people. You already uh, did your podcast or your 
uh, show with? Um, I've had one special guest. Well, I have one special guest that's on regularly, my daughter Maddie, and then um, I've had we've had one other guest, which is my partner Tom, uh, on the show. So yeah, 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 I know them both. So cool. Well, Jerry, thanks again for being here on the show. It's my been pleasure. fantastic. If you've out there uh, like this show, uh, we'd love that you would share this with somebody uh, and hopefully impact them with, you know, it could be marriage, could be uh, commercial investing, it could be in just buying dividend stocks. Who knows? But thanks for being a part of our show. Thanks to The Wreck for allowing us to be here to do this each week. And if you want to be on our show, we'd love to have you. Uh, reach out to me by just emailing me at buddyp7 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, I suppose. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks so much. Have a great week.